Well, hello and welcome everyone to this special episode on Bus Talk. Leadership Studio presents the Corner Office. And let me begin with a short story. While we were growing up, I mean climbing up the management ladder, it was a dream to be in the corner office. And we worked tirelessly to get across the aisle, you know, starting from the far end of the corridor and grinding it out in the middle, navigating through competition, commotion, promotions and tons of hard work. Then one day when it was time and we were just ready to move in, the corner office disappeared. The work culture had changed to open seating, which meant everybody now sat across the floor instead of the proverbial corner office, which as it stands today is nothing but your own home office. Such is life, or as they say, And so in today's discussion, I will talk with somebody who has been a bona fide occupant of that corner office for a long time and share what it takes to get there. Friends, I have a fascinating discussion lined up for you today. So if you are a sales leader or aspire to be one or just a new manager, this podcast will surely leave you with some nuggets to better understand the corporate world around you. The questions are aimed to make you think and reflect, not just at your leadership quotient today, but how it may shape your career tomorrow. It's about everything you wanted to know, but were hesitant to ask. To help us understand better, I have invited a seasoned sales leader to share an unconstrained point of view on the why, what and how of sales leadership. Inviting this personality is a bit nostalgic, a bit dramatic, a bit fantastic and a bit cathartic. One tends to remember those who helped shape your thinking in formative management years. This person has been the proverbial alpha sales leader for most part, having led complex businesses from Lotus to Oracle to his latest AI-based fintech venture Goals 101. With strong Netritva skills, he led his leadership team, the Netritva team, to great success. He's a directory on Art of War and for many of his diehard fans, he's God's gift to management kind and sets fire to leadership style content and quotient. Ladies and gentlemen, I am delighted to welcome Mr. Sandeep Mathur. Well, thank you for being here, Sandeep. Really, I'm looking forward to this discussion. That's great, Ayan. Thanks so much for, for having me as well. Awesome. Sandeep, let's dive in. There's so many questions I've curated from a variety of audiences, sales managers, sales leaders, some youngsters. Many of them are familiar with you and you will know many of them as well. So they'll range from being tactical to strategic to even philosophical. There are four sections Mm -hmm. so that we can set up the conversation with why, what, how, and a rapid fire in the end. The All idea right. clearly is to get your unconstrained, unrestricted, direct point of view and as bluntly as you can, simply because most of us have always had the constraints of being politically correct within the organizational umbrella and nothing wrong with that. But sometimes when we discuss, we needed to know the real deal, the net of the story, as it were. And so this is a free-flowing discussion. What happens within the course of corner office remains in corner office. So in that spirit, the questions are structured on those lines. All right. So let me warn your listeners as well, right? That If it is going to be an unconstrained view, that's exactly what you're going to get. 
and they might not like some of the things that i have to tell them because it'll definitely burst some bubbles so excited i'm can't wait to get started awesome let's start with the first section the why part of it the following set of questions are largely trying to understand why some of these scenarios happen so upfront is let's talk about hiring uh, when you hire people nowadays we see where in a country where 60% of the population is below the age of 30 the average median is 25 years recruiters are hiring vp sales with 5 years of work experience <laughs> so you as a leader would you hire experience over ability or the other way around yeah so i think it's it's always you always hire for at least i always hire for ability and one of the questions that i ask in in the interviews with various people that i do is that if i were to pose the same question to you 5 years ago what would be your answer yeah so what am i paying for my point is that right you could have one year of experience but multiplied that by 7 as in spend 7 years honing that experience or you would have learned lots of new skills and and therefore the way you react to situations will be very different what i want to do as a hiring manager is i i want to hire for skills experience has its value but that has to then translate into either more skills or thinking capability or scenarios in your head all of that has to come through if it's not coming through then i'm not going to pay you for 7 or 10 or 15 years of experience for that matter the age concept in careers has progressively reduced in our previous generations 60 was considered old then it became 50s now 40s now it's come down to 30s do you think that has an impact on how people are perhaps maturing faster people are definitely maturing faster on on certain count i think activity change more embracing of change more embracing of, of some of those aspects have have become better i would say but at the same time when i look at the emotional quotient or performing under pressure you see more breakdowns happening at folks who are less than 30 you know they give up faster they don't have the resilience because they've been brought up in a little more of a cocoon environment and so when you are hiring for people or when i'm hiring for people who are below 30 those are the checks and balances i do that you know how much of adversity have they seen in their life we be know the way the adversities are coming it used to be it used to take you 15 years to see an adversity now you see it in 5 6 7 years right so it's quite likely that in a career of 20 30 years you're going to face adversity at least 5 to 6 times and and i want to hire people who are who can manage that adversity and so i i think that's the general trend i see that yeah when we always say that you know some of the youngsters are smarter clearly they are Uh, there's no doubt about it. but i worry about the eq factor because they're they're leading more lonelier lives while they're all on social media and again what i'm telling you is not a secret it's it's the way it is which also makes you less resilient i think because your social connects are very different right these are not deep connects deep friendships family bonds which was the case earlier so so you do need to check for some of those areas when you when you hire for uh, for younger folks understood let's switch gears to gig economy owing to the pandemic situation clearly each decade has thrown up situation not necessarily a pandemic be it the subprime the dot com the oil crisis in each decade and this decade is started with the a new concept called the gig economy now the contract worker concept existed even before it's just come into mainstream now the question therefore is it's traditionally been for the tech folks 
do you think gig economy is relevant to sales management and senior management folks so what do you think are the good bad and ugly yeah so gig economy is here to stay i think that's that's definitely going to progress even further i think affordability of companies for like i said the skill sets that you want to acquire over a period of time and you see in people is going to going to alter change and therefore hire people who are comfortable with the gig economy you know work for you for 2 hours or 10 hours or or 15 hours a, a week versus the 40 plus hours a week that you normally get uh, so i think that's a trend which will which will continue to stay in sales in fact there is even more uh, relevance than any other right because if i was managing a set of 10 customers for example then it just makes sense to manage those 10 customers for multiplicity of their requirements in fact i would argue the other way around right that why wouldn't companies actually hire people who are interfaces to various other companies so for example if you look at tech uh, and i look at any customer right why wouldn't they hire a sales interface to all these tech companies because it would just make their life that much easier it would give them better pricing better discounts uh, you know and that person will figure out where the relationship within those tech companies are i, I think it just makes smarter sense so i personally think that that's what's going to happen in the future uh, more and more i think companies are going to find it hard to keep on hiring uh, account managers and all those account managers then have to build separate relationships with these companies over a over a period of life i just think it makes sense especially in those scenarios where you have the the account manager sort of a situation which is enterprise situation to to actually have these key account managers in a in a gig economy i would love to hire such people right let's talk a little bit about hmm. team management is it important for a leader a sales leader in this case to balance the us first versus the me first or or vice versa how do you strike a balance throw some more light on it so what do you mean by us versus me the team versus what i want sometimes leaders get conflicted that should i just let the team be and flourish and explore versus well this is what i want you to do so it's my way or the highway so how does the leader balance these two see that's a you know it's it's again it's sort of back to management styles old versus new you know there was a time that flashy leadership style of used to work and we've all had those types of leaders who would uh, not only inspire you but would be also sort of alpha and that worked really well going over the years i think you know as a leader you have to sort of prove yourself again and again and again and you have to prove it by helping your teams become more and more successful right so the team is not going to listen to you just because you're put in that position uh, i think the team is going to listen to you only because they feel a inspired by you b you can help them to be the best version of themselves and so it always has to be the team sort of plays first i think over the years the lessons that i've learned especially of hiring extremely talented but selfish sales people is that you know a, a selfish sales person can create amazing amount of problems for you going forward and they create a very very toxic culture uh, in the company and so i would stay away from these guys i would i would go for for example you're not the top most sales person but you are the top quartile i would compromise on that but i would look for team players and and the team always comes first because in the long run that's that's your winning formula the toxicity will kill you at some point in time so you might see initial benefits and then it will just wear people down and over a few years you will see that that team collapses often times in the we've seen it's like a chinese whisper what what the leader thinks and what it transpires down to the 
lower levels of management is something totally different how, how do you as a leader ensure that there is no chinese whisper and there is absolute see through of the content that is being thought or discussed about i i do believe that a leader has to have the ability to cushion and the reason i say that because sometimes overarching transparency can lead to all sorts of problems and the reason it is is because many times companies especially in today's day and age discuss a number of things at a senior management level not all of them are going to get implemented so if the if the leader comes down and shares everything in graphic detail the challenge sometimes is it throws people off from their daily roles and in fact it starts more rumors than it helps sort of stem it similarly on the flip side what you are reading from the market sometimes you also get frustrations from your teams and therefore just to pass that frustration on to at a senior leadership forum and make that as if that's the trend they're seeing in the market you as a leader you have to have the ability to cushion you obviously want to deliver the bad news first both ways but you also have to have the ability like i said to cushion it so that you make a good judgment call as to what needs to get shared and what doesn't need to get shared i know there's there's always you know two views to this the other view is that hey let's be completely transparent share everything with transparency and that will help build a much more mature organization i i get that i just think that you're paid a certain amount of money as a leader to manage or to lead and if you're paid that money to lead then clearly you have to have little more skills than saying okay you know here's what the ceo told us and therefore i'm completely transparent on it i think you have to have that ability to to sort of cushion uh, and that's your job frankly to take that stress uh, that's why you're getting paid the big bucks so so you should be able to take that stress both ways and be able to absorb it right it just gives me the perfect segue into mm. the leadership spine as it were and and so in leadership from an adaptability standpoint being spineless or having a lot of conviction falling in line or questioning everything what's your take on the right balance across these two leadership traits yeah now to each their own i would say the more types of leaders you're finding today are what i would call as completely spineless and people fall in line very quickly challenge little challenging or asking questions or uh, challenging the current way of way things work especially in large companies is seen to be demo, you know demonstrable of a person being a non team player and that's very very sad and the reason why you see very very large companies go up to a particular point and then start failing we've seen a very large chip manufacturer recently reveal things and and going down the really going down a path that you don't want them to see go down there are many many different examples now that happens because people want to fall in line because if you are the disruptor inside the company then then you know you're seen to be always um somebody who's not like a team player and oh here comes a problem child right uh, so there and and going back to my previous statement about being the toxic a type personality so you have to be careful i think some people take that role rather too seriously saying i'll always be the person challenging and questioning uh, that's also not right so you need to have a balance but i haven't lived my life without uh, speaking up my mind and i think that's what it should be so it's it's literally it's to each their own i think you make greater peace with yourself and the reason i'm saying this is because a lot of people are sort of growing up in their careers 
And so I can tell you the more, the more you grow in age, the more you reflect back on things that have happened in the past, right? So beyond a point, you start reflecting more on the past than you look towards the future. And so when you start reflecting back, you are going to constantly kick yourself about things that you should have said, you could have said, or you could have done. And, and therefore, I, when I started working, one of the things I swore to myself was that I'm never going to have any regrets. So if I had to say something, I will say it. If I had to do things, it's not that I, I haven't created emails and deleted them. Uh, you know, put them in my draft folder, thought over it overnight, and then deleted it. But uh, but I would say I would I would have still delivered more messages than I would have kept them to myself. So it is an individual call. Unfortunately, it's a very very tough road. Falling in line, following a corporate mandate, is definitely the easier path to take. Might not be a happier path eventually. And will definitely not get you to, to, I think, a key leadership position and be successful there over a period of time. Because if you've never had the confidence to say what you want to say and stick by it, then those are the decisions you're going to make when you, when you hit the top. Uh, and so having that ability will, will get you to stay there. But, you know, you can be reasonably successful, though, by just doing the line. Yeah. You know, begs the question, the balance between content and packaging. Oftentimes, we've seen leaders who or sales teams if you will who do 60 percent work and make 120 percent noise and then there are those who do 120 percent work and make 60 percent noise what's your take on such teams or such leaders yeah packaging uh, used to win most times it depends on how you articulate your message there is growing value of data versus opinion and therefore i think if most leadership teams, at least that I've started seeing now, rely more on data and not perception value. And uh, the people who are playing on the content side of the house and don't have an ability or do not want to demonstrate their capability by creating a hype about themselves, my formula of success for them will be that keep on playing the data game because that's the only way you fight perceptions. So make sure you arm yourself with data. And I'm just being the devil's advocate yeah. here. So if too much of data makes you rigid, doesn't it? Saying that SAO, this is the way we do it. And this is what I know. This is what my data shows. Like they say, a data set can either show that you have 99% attainment or it can also be read as, look, you at least got to 99%. That mm. is, so it could be dangerous, isn't it? Well, it's not, it's not really dangerous. I don't think anybody competes with data, but you're right. You can interpret the data in whichever format you want, right? The same data to two different people can mean two different things. And therefore, I think it's very important for you to establish the boundaries of A, what data it is, how you, how you will measure me, and you know what's important, what's not important. You have to go through those questions before and then showcase the data. Because the, the game that people play when they're, when they're and, and this is back to your sort of question about, you know, teams who've not done well, but project themselves much better. The only way they can do that is if they keep on changing parameters every month or every quarter, right? So what's important now and what's important now and what's important now? And they always tow that line. And the only way I think you can compete with that is to, is to have a set of metrics that is, that you keep on pointing out if you are on the other camp to, to keep on sort of making your message. It's a tough thing. I mean, obviously, if you learn the art of presenting and art of showcasing your success, that's 
that's probably a very good thing, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. But uh, the moment I say that, I'm also weary of manipulation, right? So are you being mm -hmm. manipulated? Uh, and I think that's where your question was at, that can you manipulate and should you be manipulative and all that? My sense is that's not going to take you too far. I always think that people who do that get caught at some point in time, right? There will be a role that you will get where you will get caught out very, very quickly. Right. So uh, so my, my sense for all of this has always been that, you know, be true, be honest to yourself, more importantly. But don't ignore the fact that company is going to change their metrics or their KPIs. And so as a, as a person in the company, as an employee, as a leader, as a, as a manager, you have to follow the KPIs that the company has provided. You can argue with the KPIs. Once they're decided, then you then you sort of perform against the KPIs. If people are berating you for on an opinion, that's not a healthy environment to be in, anyways. Right? So I wouldn't I wouldn't work in an environment where, you know, you are uh, the only thing counts is an opinion. That's a crappy environment to be living in. Right, like they say, right? Somebody's chicken is someone's burger. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's switch gears a little bit to personality types for a. Um, sales leader traditionally we have seen sales is for extroverts would you agree mm. disagree or you think there's scope for the ambiverts or the introverts as well i think there is space for everyone because you've got various different formats which have come up right the earlier version of a salesperson was the schmoozing types right you had to you know you had to meet customers you had to be very likable and you had to be have the ability to schmooze uh, you know, take people out, tell a great joke, build rapport and relationship. You know, that's rapidly changing in a world where 60 to 70% of your product discovery is happening on the web. You know, the, the ability to, to know your product really well, to be smart, to understand how you're going to add value to the customer and the nature and the type of content you have, I think plays much more weight. And my hiring over the years has also changed with that, keeping in line with that. Because I think customers don't like the, the flashy stuff anymore. Some may, but most people will want to understand what value you bring in, right? And, and salespeople often forget that they are, they are representatives of the company in front of the customer, yes. But they're also customer representatives inside the company, right? So if I am an account manager of 10 customers and those 10 customers get represented in my company correctly and I take the best of my company in front of them, that's my job as a salesperson. And so people will value for doing that, not for saying the right things or being able to schmooze or tell a joke at a, at a dinner party or uh, on when you're with a customer. Those are all, to my mind, icing on the cake, right? That's all great. If you can do it, fantastic. That's like another cherry on top. But the real value comes from and that, that is undeniable. You have to be able to take the best of your company in front of the customer. They will value you for that first and foremost. And then the other stuff keeps piling up. Great. You know, this question comes, the following question comes from some of the frontline managers. And they say, what are some of the tips that you could suggest to keep a team together, engaged, zoned in? Because everything follows a sinusoidal curve. And uh, oftentimes the teams drift out how do you rein the team in and keep the sales intensity high how do you keep them zoned in at all times so that's actually a couple of things i think one is having a clear mission in mind i think always activates people and um, you know i don't know if you qin or or your readers have have heard about a book called flow which is by mihali sitsek mihali 
If not, I would recommend reading it. And that talks about the fact that there are athletes who go through, let's say, winning a 100-meter race or whatever, and what they experience during that time or in preparation for that. You know, those seem to be the happiest moments. Once they've won it, it's, not a, it's a great feeling, but, it, you know, comparatively, it's not as, you know, that high is not as high as when you prepare for something. So it's really interesting. And I think the more flow experiences you create in your life, the better, the happier life you lead. And so therefore, back to your question, if I'm a leader, I'm always trying to think of how do I create those flow experiences in the lives of, of the team that I manage? And what that really means is that, A, I have, have I created a purpose which is bigger than the purpose that seems to be, hey, we got to hit our number of $10 million, right? That's a good target to have. But can it have a bigger purpose? Are we going to be the first team doing it? Has it ever happened before? You know, stuff like that. So you add more things to that to that goal. And the second thing is that, you know, you have to you have to be emotionally invested with the team and have them invested back in you. And there are a couple of downsides to it, but the positives far, far outweigh outweigh the downside. And the classic example is you you look at a number of leaders like Mahatma Gandhi or or some of the others who people uh, followed uh, without any any reward and only risks were around, right? But the purpose was great. The mission was bigger than you. You know, it was a thing to do. Now, every day you're not going to find that cause. But the, the trick uh, in all of this is for a sales leader to actually find those causes and to have worthy causes. Uh, and it's not manipulation. It's actually finding relevant, worthy causes that you can rally people around. And you will run a really great team if you were to, to do that. And, and like I said, be emotionally invested in their journey. If not, then then it's always a struggle. If it's a pure game of, oh, you get me so much money and I give you so much incentive, it's going to be tougher, I think. And you will never experience that sort of flow that I'm talking about. Right. Well, that's wraps for section one. Thank you so much. I think the thoughts that you shared were quite insightful. Some of the questions that you hear in this section will also have, you know, subtext or relevance in the subsequent sections. And so I'll touch upon those questions uh, in the next segment. But this was really insightful, Sandeep. Thank you so much. And I look forward to the next segment. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you liked that part of the corner office, be sure to tune into the next episode. Corner Office has some very interesting discussions lined up just for you. In section two of Corner Office, we are going to talk about hiring, sales management, and the future of sales careers. And if you don't want to miss any of it, be sure to subscribe to Bus Talk. It's available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for our Android users. Or if you just want to listen to it on the web, hop on to www.anchor.fm slash gyanban. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M forward slash G-Y-A-N-B-A-N. Anchor.fm slash gyanban. Where not just Corner Office, but other management podcasts are listed as well. And if you have questions or comments, send me a voice note in the link below or send me an email on gyanban at gmail. That's G-Y-A-N-B-A-N-N on gmail or tweet hashtag G-Y-A-N-B-A-N. And I will try and include them in my next episode. Till then, be well, stay safe and get your A-game to work. This is your host GB and you are listening to Bus Talk Leadership Studios Corner Office.